You ladies have read, you have studied, you have answered many questions over the last 11 weeks. Many of you have given testimony to its application even today. Thank you for sharing. Thank you teachers for being the able speakers who have come up here and have given us truth from the Word of God. Thank you small group leaders because you have led and facilitated discussions plus you've added sweet hands on service to your ladies. We have learned so much about Esther and her story. May I suggest two important takeaways that y'all have already shared that we must pursue for the rest of our lives. Now that we know what we know about the providence of God, life doesn't have to be here anymore. It can be there because God is the one who is in control. So often, life is so in your face, you can't think of anything else. You're paralyzed, as Sherry spoke of with her daughter. You're just paralyzed, but you know, you know what you know what you know now. And so prayerfully, every event that happens in your life, you will realize that it has been sifted through God's hands of providence. And it's meant for your good and for his glory. These are the two truths. Number one, God is in control. His providence is always working in our lives. And in response, we must worship and yield to his will. And number two, God keeps his promises. In response, we must trust him and walk in his ways. Some 40 years ago in the life of this very church, we were struggling with a very important question. One of the elders' wives asked at that time, I just want to know, what can we count on God for here? Great question. And that's a question that I have been answering for the last 40 years. What can we count on God for? I have come to the conclusion that we can count on the character of God. That is what we can count on. 2 Timothy 2.13 says, If we are faithless, he will remain faithful because he cannot deny himself. He will always be true to who he is. He will always act within his own character traits. The first important character trait of God is his providence. The providence of God is defined by Piper as God's purposeful, God's purposeful sovereignty. That was the definition that was brought to us by Todd Jacobs. His providence in his sovereign hand moving, working in the glove of history. As we saw in Esther, though God is not mentioned, his silence does not mean his absence. His silence does not mean his absence. His silence is his providence. God worked in many ways in the life of Esther, 
God will do what he chooses to do because he is God and he knows best. That's his omniscience. And his purpose in what he does is to result in good for his children and glory for himself. Romans 8, 28. It's already been said. Thank you. <laughs> we know the verse. For we know that all things work together for good for those who love the Lord and are called according to his purpose. Not that everything that happens is good, but God is big enough that he can weave everything to good in your life. For your good and for his glory. 1 Corinthians 10.31 Whether therefore you eat or drink, or whatsoever you do, do all for the glory of God. His glory, his outshining, his divine attributes that are visibly seen or on display. The heavens declare the glory of God. And the glory of God is seen in the godliness in your life so that others can see Christ in you. You see, God's name is very important to him. Don't take his name in vain. That was the third commandment. Psalm 23.3 says, He restores my soul. He guides me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. His name is important to him. So when you are abiding in Christ, you are bringing glory to God. When you are bearing fruit, either the fruit of the Spirit or the fruit of good works, you are bringing glory to God. You bring glory to God every time you read his word and obey it. You bring him glory when you walk with a child or a friend in the woods or on the beach and you speak of God's magnificence or the way he cares about every little detail of nature, even the cushion in a woodpecker's head. Every time you speak to another person with life words instead of death words, you are bringing glory to God. You bring glory to God when you live life practicing his presence and loving others well. You can bring glory to God in a million different ways when you are abiding in him. So he's always providing opportunities in your life and mine that we can bring him glory. That's Christ living in you. You see? Worship is a way we bring glory to his name as well. And if we believe he is in control, I want to encourage you to drive a stake. <laughs> drive a stake right now that says, I will worship my Lord multiple times a day. You don't have to wait to come to church to worship the Lord. You can worship and thank the Lord every single moment of your life. So drive a stake that says, I will worship you and I will lead my children into recognizing what I can worship him about. 
Worship is one of our must-dos if we believe that God is in control. It's easy to worship him in the good times, though, isn't it? Wonder why it is we often forget to do that. We teach our children to say thank you. Remind yourself to say thank you and make a habit of it. That's worship. So much of the Christian life is about habits, isn't it? So make a habit of praising God for who he is and thanking him for his generosity in your many grace gifts like salvation, beauty in nature, rich relationships, deliverances, spiritual blessings, and help, and Jesus, and the Holy Spirit, and the love of God, and we could go on and on. Count your many blessings. See what God has done. But if life is not so great for you right now, what if you're struggling with your past, or your upbringing, or an injustice done to you, or a relationship that has broken your heart, or a child that is somewhere out there and struggling, or a work situation that has caused you to want to quit more times than you can count, or even a marriage that is full of selfishness and lack of communication. What about the hard times? How does the sovereignty of God, his control, at work in his hidden hand, how does that work out then? Spurgeon says, quote, There is no attribute of more comforting to his children than the doctrine of divine sovereignty. Under the most adverse circumstances, in the most severe troubles, they, his children, believe that sovereignty has ordained their afflictions, that sovereignty overrules those afflictions, and that sovereignty will sanctify all of those afflictions." End of quote. Isn't that good? Spurgeon further states, quote, when you go through a trial, the sovereignty of God is the pillow upon which you lay your head. Wow. Why? Not because the trial doesn't hurt or it may cause you sleepless nights, but because he has overcome the trial. He has overcome the tribulation with his peace. John 16, 33. And so we can rest in his will. I remember as a widow at age 35 with four children, 10 and under, I struggled day by day by day. I was overwhelmed much of the time. And I must say that this community of believers came to my constant encouragement and help. I remember crying out to the Lord on numerous times, but on one particular time I remember crying out to him, just telling him again that I really didn't like being a widow. But I remember coming to the conclusion that if I was going to serve him, if I was going to love him, I would have to do that as a widow because that's where he had me at that moment. And that is being yielded 
to the Lord. I can't tell you how many times I have said then and further in my life, Lord, you're either in control or you're not, and I do believe you are. So help me, Lord. I will follow you in my widowhood with joy. Dear sister, your present situation does not have the authority to steal your joy. Don't give it power to do so. Christ has overcome it, yield to his will, and do the right thing. God is in control, and his providence is always working. Don't play the victim card either, even if you feel like you have every right to. And you probably do. But consider this. Joseph did not play the victim card when he told his brothers, you meant it for evil, but God meant it for good in Genesis 50. And if anyone could have felt like a victim, it was Jesus. Being sinless perfection, he paid for the sins of everybody in the world. Scripture tells us that he kept entrusting himself to him who judges righteously in 1 Peter 2, 21-24. Christ yielded to God's will in his life. You can yield to God's will in your life as he lives through you. That includes being obedient even when you don't want to. So I say to you, whatever cross Jesus has called you to take up, do so with grateful trust that he has ordained what is best for you. Whatever brokenness he has given you, whether in your past growing up or past sins in your life, injustices endured, health struggles, broken relationships, or whatever, fill in the blank with your deepest disappointment and hurt and use that hurt to trust God and move on to worship him and to yield to him. Worship and yield must be our two responses to his control, his providence in our lives. Worship and yield. Sometimes you may need help from your friends or counselors to work out some of the hurt or work through some of the hurt. But at some point, you have to move on to love Christ beyond it. Yield to his sovereign will in your life. After all, all that is behind you is preparation for what God has already ordained that is ahead of you. You may never know the whys of what happened, but God knows. And if and when you need to know, he will tell you. Otherwise, move on in the grace of God and look for his hidden hand and his grace gifts in your life. Remember, just like Esther, God's silence does not mean his absence. You can depend on God to do what is best for you because he knows what it takes for you to trust him more and to make you more like Jesus. That's his goal, you know. So what can we count on God for? We can count on God to be in control 
and his providence to always be at work in the events of our lives. The second thing that we can count on God for is that you can count on God to fulfill all of his promises to you. His pledge is promises made, promises kept. God always says what he means, and he doesn't stutter. He can back up any promise he makes to his children. He is strong enough to make the promises he makes happen. That's his omnipotence. You can count on God to keep his promises. Esther's story is proof of God keeping his promise to the Jews and to us of a coming Messiah. Aren't you so thankful? I have a list of promises on this outline on the back of it that I would encourage you to read and meditate on throughout the coming days. There are 30 here, so you have a month full of promises. Once you hit 30, start at one again on the, at the first of the month. Take them like you do vitamins, one a day. <laughs> read it, meditate on it, recite it with your children, remember it throughout the day. In fact, that can be your homework until we meet again to study God's word in September. God's promises are offered to keep us spiritually healthy. We can often fall prey to our feelings, and sometimes our feelings contradict his promises. For example, I have felt alone. But look at day number four on that outline. The Lord will be with you. And look at number seven. The Lord will not never forsake you. So I may feel lonely, but God promises that he is with me, so I am not alone. Are my feelings the truth, or is God's promise the truth? You know the answer to that. Another ex example, I may be feeling overwhelmed about a work situation, or finances, or children's needs, or aging parents, or my future. Look at number 14. He promises that his strength is sufficient for you. I need that promise, especially on nights I don't sleep so well. Boy, do I need the strength the next day to carry on. God's promises also give us perspective and confidence in a God who keeps his word. That's his commitment to us. So if you don't know his promises, you don't know what you can count on God for. So these 30 will be a good starting place. What can you count on God for? You can count on God to be in control and acting on your behalf for your good and his glory every minute of every day. And you can count on God to keep his promises for your encouragement. In conclusion, I want to share with you one of my hidden hand stories. We'll start calling them hidden hand stories. Isn't that cool? Little, little hidden hand stories? Okay. So I joined a singles group at this church um, after Steve had died, maybe about a year, because I wanted to stay connected with believers. We had a field trip to Sims Barbecue. And I love Sims Barbecue, dancing and, you know, bluegrass music and all the rest. Well, Mr. Sims, when he was alive, would go around with his little notebook, and he would, some of you are shaking because you know I'm talking about, 
And he would go around and he would take people's names down if they were there for a celebration or an anniversary or if you had some out-of-town people because he loved to announce all that during the intermission. Well, so on this particular time when we were there, uh, he was announcing this person and that person, and he announced a Mr. and Mrs. somebody who were sitting right there close to the dance floor so everybody could see them. And they kind of stood up, kind of, they were old, they were real old. And th they, they both kind of crippled up and one of them had a cane and all. And they had been married for like 70 years or something crazy like that. And, you know, they both looked really rather like they were hurting, probably arthritis. I mean, there's no telling what all kinds of bad things they had going on in their body. When you get older, you start understanding those things. But anyway, they didn't look particularly happy. They didn't even look like they looked at each other. And I remember saying to the Lord, Lord, look at that couple. They've had 70 years together and they don't even act like they like each other. <laughs> and here, you only gave Steve and me 12 years together, and we loved each other so much. And just as if I heard that voice in my head, I heard, yes, but I'm doing something different with you. That's his sovereignty. And you know what? He is doing something different with each of us because we are all different. We are each an original. Each of his children have a personal, individual relationship with him. He delights in you. He has gifted you and placed you right where you are right now. You can show him glory in your life as you thrive in your relationship with Christ. Trust him and walk in his ways. That's what we must do, knowing the promises of God. I can't think of anything that would be more harrowing than taking a bungee cord, tying it on your ankle, and then jumping off the highest mountain or bridge you ever saw. That is really some trust right there. This is my symbol for trust. We must, if we believe his promises, we must trust him. And not only must we trust him, but we must walk in his ways. Sometimes you'll need a walking stick to help you up. It could be a friend. It could be a spouse. It could be your mother. It could be the prayers of your grandmother that, that's keeping you walking with the Lord. So what can you count on God for? The same answer is what is our takeaway from the book of Esther. You can count on God to be in control and always working. His providence or his hidden hand is at work in every detail of your life. Even the detail of knowing the number of hairs on your head. I'm used about that in 1992 when I had chemotherapy and radiation for cancer. You mean all the hairs on my head? Down to zero hairs on my head? Back up to more hairs on my head? Now that's detail right there. <laughs> you can know that God doesn't miss a thing when it comes to knowing his children. 
Our response then is to worship him and yield to his will in our lives. He intends for us to bring glory to him as a witness to who he is in this fallen world. And number two, you can count on God to be true to his promises. Our response must be to trust him and walk in his ways based on those promises. He will give you perspective and confidence if you will stand on his promises. Sound like a hymn to you? And ladies, these two truths alone applied in your lives from this day forward can make you a force for the kingdom of God in your family and in your sphere of influence. Blessings as you abide in Christ, knowing that he is in control and his providence is ordering your life in every detail and he keeps his promises to you forever. Let's pray. Our Father, thank you for the book of Esther and what your word has taught us these last 11 weeks. You are such a good God to reveal truth to us. We acknowledge that you are a God who is in control of every detail in our lives, and we thank you for the ways we can worship you daily as well as yield to your best in our lives. You always give us just what we need to make us more like Jesus. Father, we trust you with your promises, and we are grateful that you are the faithful one who walks with us every step of our faith journey with you. May we walk with you holding on to your promises. We eagerly await your return. Thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen.